Well, we are uh, almost nearing the end of this prayer series that we've been in the last couple weeks. Uh, We have this week and one more week. Um, But we've covered some significant areas and aspects of prayer. We started off talking about how prayer is powerful. And we also uh, talked about how we need to be listening and attentive to God's voice because God is speaking and he wants to talk to to us and show us things. And we just need to be able to listen to him. Uh, Then we talked about how we need to have persistence in prayer. We need to keep praying, keep believing. And then last week, uh, we, my uh, father, uh, Pastor Mike, offered that wonderful insight on why God uh, sometimes doesn't answer prayers the way that we wanted him to, and why prayers go unanswered for a host of different reasons, but just very insightful, powerful. And today, we're going to talk about how we should be praying together that we should pray together, that there's an aspect of our faith and our prayer life that, yes, is individual, that when you lay in your bed at night and you shoot off some prayers to God, or maybe when you're in your car, you pray, um, and there's, a, there's definitely an aspect of our private devotion and prayer life with God, but we see all throughout scriptures in the Old Testament and the New Testament that God also wants us to be praying with other people together, that there's this aspect of our faith and there's something that happens in prayer that uh, is special and it's unique when a group of people, whether it's a small group, a mid-sized group, or a really large group, come together and pray together. Um, It's an amazing thing. And yeah, I need to grow in that. I'm sure maybe you need to grow in that as well, but we need to grow in that aspect that sometimes it is weird to pray in front of another person, or if you're ever with a group that holds hands, I personally think that's a little weird, just because you never know, are you supposed to be on the bottom or the top, or how long do you hold on, and you know, sometimes you're not sure. I understand the intimidation that comes with praying with other people, but it is an aspect that God wants us to grow together. Listen to the words of Jesus that he says in Matthew. He says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with him. I love that verse because it's just simple and there's no uh, complexity to it that you have to do all these things. It's just where you and another person or a few other people come and you gather in my name. I'm right there with you. You don't have to do anything fancy, do anything special. You just have to be united with this aspect of we're coming together and then there God is. Now, what this doesn't mean is you can't just like grab one or two people and one of them kind of reads their Bible a little bit and then you pray for like a million dollars and then it happens. That's not exactly what the Lord's saying here. What Jesus, I believe, is trying to say is that when the right people gather for the right reason, God's going to show up and do something unique and special. Um, And I believe in all of you. I believe that God has things for our church, God has things for your life, that there's more greatness and there's more potential and there's more possibilities. There's more things than we can even imagine, ministry that will take place, marriages that will be healed, marriages that will, that will flourish, that will raise children that are world changers, that orphans will be cared for, people in the inner city, and in the suburbs. I mean, I believe that God wants to do some pretty amazing things. And God has plans for your life. He has plans for our city, for our world, for your family, for your kids, 
for your high school or your college campus. But many times when we don't see the way God working that we kind of wish we, we would, or maybe when we feel spiritually dry a little bit, oftentimes the missing ingredient is that you're not surrounded by the right people. You're not surrounded by the right people. Um, here's the thing. Oftentimes as well is the trajectory of your life will be determined by the relationships that you have. And think for just a moment really quickly, who are the three to five most prominent voices or relationships in your life? Who are the three to five most prominent voices or relationships in your life? And I would be safe to guess that based upon these relationships, how significant they are and how influential these are in your life, depending on who those people are in your life, would be a direct determination of where you will be in your future. Relationships are incredibly important. And you'll never do all or everything God wants you to do without the right people around you. Here's the other thing, is that you can't do life alone, on the other hand. You can't be like, okay, well, I'm going to guard about around not making sure I don't have the wrong people in my life, and I'll just kind of go at this alone. You can't do that either. You know, I, there was this funny story I heard. I have no idea if it's true, okay, but it sounds like maybe he would have said this, but I heard this funny story back when Muhammad Ali was at like the height of his boxing career, and he got on a plane to, to fly, and as the plane began to you know, uh, taxi, they asked everyone to put on their seatbelts. And he didn't do it. So the stewardess came up to him and said, sir, I'm going to have to have you fasten your seatbelt. And uh, maybe you can imagine him saying this too. He said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. <laughs> and then she looked at him and said, well, sir, Superman don't need no plane either, honey. So put on your seatbelt. <laughs> Sometimes we feel like we can just go at it alone. We can face all of life's challenges. We can face all the things we need to alone. And that is just not true that you will uh, uh, find yourself in places that you just thought your spiritual life or uh, the course of the decisions you make in your life leads you to a place you thought you wouldn't be. Um, here's what uh, Proverbs says. Proverbs says, where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is victory. There's victory. How do you see obstacles coming? How do you have greater victory in these moments? I, I want you to say, those of you who are skeptical about the whole prayer series, I get it that you're like praying to a God who like answers in certain ways, but doesn't in other ways, how you need spiritual people in your life. Maybe you're a little skeptical of the whole Christian thing. Can I just say that this concept here is not a Christian concept. It's a human concept. It's, it's human nature that we need the right people in our life. Any successful government, any successful organization is founded upon really good advisors. And when we look at our own life, we need people 
the right people in our life who can challenge you, who can correct you, people who will encourage you, who will laugh with you, cry with you, they will spiritually uh, invest into your life. We need people that are good advisors, and through that, you'll find that you experience victory in your life. Here's another thing. Uh, just going on the same point, it's not just a Christian thing. Those of you who are in school, you're probably learning about this in, in higher education or maybe in high school as well, or maybe you've heard about this in other scenarios, but you know it's something called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias. We all succumb to it. It's just human nature. That confirmation bias is essentially that what uh, something that you want, you tend to lead... Uh, to find information that just confirms what you're already desiring. So I'll give you an example. If you really want to buy a new car, you're going to find information that tells you all the reasons why you should buy a new car. And you'll have a harder time um, finding reasons maybe not to. The confirmation bias essentially says you're going to find what you're looking for. You're going to hear what you want to hear. You will find people and you'll bring people in your life that validate your perspective, your worldview, the way that you think. That's what confirmation bias is, that we all fall and succumb to it, that we find ourselves many times in echo chambers, whether it's on social media, whether it's in social groups, uh, or maybe it's a church group or another, another group, that we all can easily become, succumb to confirmation bias, and that you need people, wise people have the right people in their life that can lead them and guide them in ways that will go against maybe something that's a poor decision. We need other people. If you go looking for what you want, you're going to find it. You're going to hear what you want to hear. Whether it's another person, whether it's a thought or a decision, once you're in love with the upside of something, it's really hard to see the downside. In like most basic terms, that's what confirmation bias is. You'll find the people, the information that confirm your thoughts. But wise people make sure that they have the right people in their life. They encourage them, challenge them, correct them, show them in their, uh, maybe the downside. And wise people are willing to see the other side of the coin. Uh, my wife and I, we uh, came to a decision point about a year and a half ago uh, that we could have easily found people that would have validated where we were at that I was 29, I haven't finished my undergrad degree, but I'm here in the job that I want. I'm preaching, pastoring, I love it here. I love being here. I'm doing what I already want. Why would I need to go back to school? And so I just never did. I went years not going back to school. But then just as life you know, takes you on your journeys, um, I came to this decision of, okay, well maybe should I or should I not? So my wife and I, we decided to really bring some people involved in our life that really care for us, people that live here in Spokane, people that don't live here in Spokane. And one day, um, I really want to lead a church myself. And so there was one specific person who was a senior pastor for a while that I really trust. He no longer is um, a senior pastor, but he has a really good perspective. And one thing that really uh, hit me pretty hard while it may not be always true all the time, for me it made a lot of sense that he said, you know, Nate, if you never finish school, you'll probably have a really hard time leading a church. Not because you're not capable, not because you're not smart enough, not because 
that you don't have the right giftings and you don't, and not because you're not, uh, God hasn't given you the right gifts, but he said, you know, in our world, you have to pay to play a little bit. And while a degree on the wall might not make you that much smarter, people may not recognize you as a lead pastor if you don't have that. And it's just how our world operates. And that was something that I had to, uh, I had to chew on and swallow because I could have easily found people easily that said, you don't need that. Like college is overrated. It's overrated. It's expensive. You're already in the job that you want. Why would you go do that? That would have been very easy relationships to find and then to validate, okay, good. That's how I've been thinking for the last 10 years too. Like, whoo, good thing I don't got to go back to school. Like, thanks for the insight. Confirmation bias leads you down that road. And oftentimes, wise people bring in the right people to show them what they really need to see. We need the right people, healthy people in our lives. God made us for relationship. In Genesis, maybe you remember where where God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So I'm going to bring a suitable helper. God intended us to have relationship. And I believe that that God never intended us to walk through life alone. God always, he wired us to have relationship and to have people in our life. In fact, I think this is such a huge need that it's a big, deep desire in all of us that even if people aren't willing to admit, it is so prevalent there because everybody wants to be known. Everyone wants to be known. Uh, anyone in here watched the show Cheers or had watched the show Cheers? I'm sorry. Excuse me. I never have. I watched like an episode, didn't like it. So those of you who are Cheers fans, I'm sorry. But here's what uh, I came across this and I thought it was really interesting. Those of you like me who've never watched Cheers, I'll try and fill you in. Those of you who are Cheers fanatics, don't hate me if I get this wrong. There's like a Boston Red Sox relief pitcher. He opens up a bar and has this bar and then some characters from different places and walks in life end up coming to the bar and they end up hanging out there all the time. They end up kind of loving the relationships that they have there more so than like the food and all that stuff. But it kind of just becomes this meeting place that's just this really special uh, spot for them. Am I kind of correct? But here's the theme song of Cheers. Let me read it to you and let this just sink in for a moment. Um, This is what it says. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Mm -hmm. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Very true. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. I believe that song should be about the church and not a bar. Because we all want to be known. Everyone does. We all want to be a part of a place where people know your name and know you. It's wired in you to have relationship with other people. We're a church who believes you should be known here, that this should be like a home or a family for you. Yes, we can be big at times, 
But we believe that's because God wants us to accomplish some really big things. But we're also small with our, our small group gatherings and our life groups and, and rooted and some of these other things that take place. That we need the right relationships in our life to encourage us, to challenge us, to correct us, so we can laugh with, cry with, all the things. That we need that. And it's easy to go like, I'm afraid of that, or I don't have time for that. But if you live a lifestyle that your schedule dictates everything, you're too busy not to have the right people in your life. You're too busy not to have the healthy relationships. You need that. We need that. And I get that like being a part of a small group or a life group can be challenging and there's always that one annoying person in every group. You know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been in a small group, you know there's always that one annoying person. And it's just a Christian principle. It's something that God instituted that everyone has to deal with, okay? And if you're the one person right now thinking, there's no one annoying in my life group. You just thought that. Watch out. Because you might be growing other people's faith. We need people in our life. But let me talk to you for the rest of our time about what happens when that right group of people come together, and they begin to pray together. They begin to believe God that he's going to do some pretty incredible things in their personal life, in their finances, in their kids, in their families, in their marriages, in their places of work, in our public schools. When people come together and they begin to pray for the dreams that God's put in their heart, when people come together and they begin to pray about what they want God to do in their city or in their church or in our world, that I believe some pretty amazing things takes place when a group of people, two or, pe- two or three people gather and begin to pray together. While it may be challenging and yet while it may be annoying at times and while other circumstances can bring fear or other things, that when we begin to pray, something special happens. And yeah, relationally, you have to be open, right? In order to, for other people to stand with you and pray with you, you got to bear a little bit of your own heart and of your own thoughts. But when we begin to do that, something special takes place on the personal life, on your spiritual life, but also what takes place in heaven and here on earth. That it's encouraging spiritually, and God begins to move in ways that he may not without a shared mindset of a group of people around prayer. So let me tell you about a story in the New Testament of two guys named Peter and John. There was plenty of encounters uh, in, the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament that we see God doing some amazing things with groups of people praying, but let me just highlight one of them. But feel free to go look at all the amazing things God did. Peter and John, uh, this is after... Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. And God is doing some amazing things in the formation of the early church at this time. People are being saved. People are being healed. Uh, Miracles are taking place. Disciples are being made. People are being baptized. It was a, a radical, amazing time in the early formation of the church. 
And at one point, Peter and John, two apostles who had uh, uh, been with Jesus before he had ascended into heaven, uh, they are teaching to a group of people about Jesus' uh, death and resurrection. And then the religious elite, the Pharisees, didn't like that because that was blasphemous at the time to talk about someone dead rising from the grave. Like, that doesn't sound right. And so they were really mad at Peter and John, so they, they snatched him up, they threw him in jail, and honestly, they wanted to kill them. If they, could, if they could kill them, they would have been very happy with that outcome. But because there were so many people who uh, were being touched by the message in the gospel of Jesus Christ, they couldn't really do that without a revolt, so they tried to trick them, and they brought them in, and they were going to confront them and see if there was any way they could trap them so they could you know, either put them in prison or kill them. And so what happens is they have this exchange, and Peter and John, they speak boldly to these uh, Pharisees. Listen to the words that they said. Um, they they kind of talked about some other things, and then the Pharisees said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these were men who had been with Jesus. So before we dive in, and we're going to look at the rest of the story as Peter and John uh, go from this place with the Pharisees back to their group, their little life group, and they started praying. Note this, that you do not have to be some spiritual wizard in order to do some amazing things for God or to pray or to speak boldly or to have courage. You can be an ordinary man or woman with common ordinary knowledge. You just have to be someone who follows Jesus. If you follow Jesus, you can pray. If you follow Jesus, you can have courage, you can have boldness, and you can do some amazing things with your family, with your friends, at your school, or at your workplace. You just have to be someone who follows Jesus. You don't have to have a PhD in biblical studies, okay? You can be an ordinary guy. So let's look at the rest of this story. The first thing to note is that praying together fills you with uncommon boldness. It just happens. And we see that with Peter and John, that they had this courage. Then they go back to their group of people and, and they tell them what happened. And what I love about this, what we're gonna see, is what they could have done is they could have gone, whew, we got out of jail, everyone, we're okay. Hey, next time, let's play it a little safer, okay? No one wants to die. No one wants to get crucified or beheaded now, okay? So let's... Let's just tone it down a little bit. Maybe we'll just go out during the nighttime or something like that. But like, let's just try and be a little safer with, with our meetings, okay? Let's not uh, do anything crazy now. What we see is that is not what took place. I love this. Listen to what happened as Peter and John came back after meeting. It says, they prayed together. It says, now, Lord, consider their threats, talking about the Pharisees, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Don't you love that? I love that because they could have easily played it safe, but instead what they said is they came back and said, God, give us exceptional, uncommon boldness because what they were facing is death. They were going, Lord, 
we're willing to do this and we might die for it. They weren't talking about getting made fun of at school or maybe getting fired for some religious reason at your job. What they were facing was death. And here they are, they come back and said, Lord, give us boldness to continue to face this. And when we pray together, that is one thing that takes place is God gives you uncommon boldness. Uh, those of you young people in here or old people, um, any of you ever go to church camp, like summer camp when you were younger or maybe you're in you know, junior high, high school right now and you go to church camp? One thing that we always gets talked about is when people come back from camp is the church high, or the camp high, right? You heard of that? I, I love this, this, these moments because when kids come back from camp or like you want to go to man camp, any of the men, you come back from camp, you're a man, right? You come back from man camp, you have uncommon boldness. And when, when students come back from camp, I love it because they're always like, I'm going to save my entire school, the whole thing. And I'm right there with them. I'm like, yeah, you are. You are going to do that. And while it might be uncommon boldness, right, like the whole, you know, all of Mead High School is going to come to know the Lord, while that might be far-fetched, I'm believing right there with them because I want that to happen just as much as they do. And they come back with this uncommon boldness, like my whole family's coming to Jesus. My whole school is coming to know the Lord. And I love the uncommon boldness. But here's the thing is that a lot of times we say, oh, that's a camp high and it wears off. But really, that is something that we can experience on a weekly basis. It does not have to be a once a year at some man camp, once a year at some you know, student uh, uh, camp. What it is, the, the uniqueness about people coming together and having that uncommon boldness is people who come together unified under an idea that God is who he says he is, he can do what he says he can do, and that it's this persistent unification around we're praying and we're believing together that God's going to work in my life, he's going to work in your life, and he's going to work around our city and around our world. And when people come back from environments like that, you get uncommon boldness. And you do not have to find that just at camp. That can take place in anyone's living room. When just people come together, unified under an idea that God is a big God. He can do what he says he can do in my life and in your life. And as you pray and you come together to believe those things. That's what's unique about camp is just people come together and pray for a week. That's really a, a big aspect. You worship God. You hear him. You pray and you believe together that God's going to do what you're all learning about he's going to do. And that can take place in your living room with other people. And you can actually live a life on a camp high. You really can. Now, you're still gonna go through this emotionally, but you can still have uncommon boldness throughout your life. When you pray together, things happen. Myself and our uh, youth pastor, Kenny, we took a group of leaders about a year and a half ago up for just a, an overnight retreat. And we did some things. A lot of it was just fun, playing pool and hanging out. Um, but one thing we did at the end of this retreat is we just prayed together and didn't do anything special. Okay, I had a little Bose speaker that Bluetooth connects to your phone, set it up. I turned on like a, like a Hillsong worship or something because God doesn't show up unless Australians are speaking, right? <laughs> and turned it on. And then what Kenny and I had and what the, the unified group of these leaders had 
was we believed that God was going to use these young people um, to affect the students of our city in a profound and significant way. We believed that God had chosen each of us specifically for a reason that God wants to use us. And what Kenny and I did was we had this going and we prayed for each person individually and then as a group that God is going to work in our students in our city and in our church and he's going to use these people and we encouraged them and we prayed for them. And while the walls didn't shake, no, like we saw in Acts 4, I believe something was stirred or shaken on the inside of the very people in that meeting. While nothing crazy happened, what we're doing right here is, is far more grandiose than what we did. But out of that, we had multiple people from that weekend who felt a call into ministry. I ended up hiring two of them. Multi two other people ended up going to Bible college. One girl broke up with her boyfriend, and it was amazing. Everything you could have asked for. You just get uncommon boldness. But here was the, the, mo the most significant part of all of that. Is we probably had the most productive, efficient year of ministry that I've been a part of um, in my 10 years as a youth pastor. Not because um, we did anything special. We got together and we prayed over each other. And in those moments, God worked in really profound ways. God showed up in, in ways in other people's lives, I would have had no idea. God will give you uncommon boldness. And what I love, you would, you would love these young people, okay? Uh, for almost like two years now, sorry, for like two years now, we have this Facebook chat um, that we send each other prayer requests. Any youth leaders in the room right now? Raise your hand. You can attest to this, right? I mean, on a, on a daily or weekly basis, people are, are, are sending prayer requests in, am I correct, for, a long, for two years? And this is not just, so we got witness over here, just so you know. <laughs> this is not just, you know, uh, you, you send a prayer and then nothing happens. I mean, people are responding. I'm praying for that. They're checking up, hey, how is this person? I just want you to know that our student ministry staff, they are praying on a daily basis, believing God to do some amazing things in your kids' lives and in your, the schools that we're a part of. That this is not just a, we kind of shoot a prayer here or there. These people are committed to praying for one another. And I've just seen God do some pretty incredible things in that. As simple as just a text group that for years have gone on, people sending prayer requests in, that we are praying consistently, persistently for God to do powerful and mighty things in your life. You'd be very proud of them. Very proud. And I am as well. The next thing is uh, praying together builds a deep unity in the midst of all our diversity. All of us come from a whole different background, a whole different worldview. We all have all different perspectives. We all grew up in different families and, and we had different spiritual journeys and all these things that we are a very diverse group of people. 
But look at what happened here, the very next verse as we read on. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. If you have your Bible open, underline that, because that's really good stuff right there that we're going to springboard off of. They were all in one heart and mind. No one claimed that they had, that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them. One heart and mind. This group of people that came together and prayed were unified around a vision. So what is it that brings people close? What is it that that tears down walls? What is it that brings a group of diverse people together for a shared, unified experience? Let me tell you my personal take on it. It is the right vision that's bigger than one person, and it'll take an act of God working through everyone to accomplish. That's something that everyone can get around knowing that any really well-run organization or just well-run small group or life group has a shared vision in the midst of their diversity that's bigger than any one person in the group can accomplish alone, and it would take an act of God working through every person in order for that to accomplish. That's where people come together and say, I believe this can happen. We might have a different lifestyle. We might view parenting differently, but what we view the same is that this vision we have, we're one mind, one heart, one soul around this. And I tell you what, that these disciples, these people here in this group, they had that. While I know that um, I'm sure one guy says, yeah, you're a tax collector, and you were a sinner, and you were a Pharisee, and you were this person, that But Jesus gave us a vision to go into all the world making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You go and do that. That that vision was bigger than any one person could accomplish. And this ragtag group of people came together and it exploded. Christianity exploded in the early formation of the church. That deep unity happens through prayer. The right people that you need in your life are people that have that one heart and one mind about what God is doing in our city and in our church. That is an aspect of it. I need someone in my life that shares that in ministry, in family, friendships. You need a boyfriend or a girlfriend that has that same one heart and one mindset of what God wants to do in your life. You need someone else to believe in you when you can't. You need someone else to fight with you when you can't. You need someone else to correct you. You need someone else that will stand with you even when you fall. One of the more significant moments in my wife and I's journey in a life group is back before any of us had kids, we were all getting pregnant at the same time. And one of the, uh, my wife was pregnant, another gal was pregnant, another couple was trying to get pregnant. Um, Not at the life group, but, you know. (laughs) But I remember this one life group, and our life group probably doesn't even remember this because we prayed for each other all the time, but it was significant to Chantel and myself. We just remember coming back, and we were at at, uh, our friend's house, 
And wives were giving updates on, you know, how their pregnancy's going and whatnot. And one of the gals just had, like, the perfect pregnancy happening, right? Everything was perfect. It was none of this, none of that. It was just the dream pregnancy. But then uh, Chantel, with her pregnancy, my wife, um, some real con- uh, um, significant complications with her pregnancy that could result in uh, a lifelong uh, uh, battle. And... And I just remember in that moment, our life group coming together around us and praying for us. And they might not even remember this because we did this. But for us, it was so significant that we had people with us that was like, I don't care what the next nine months looks like or the next 50 years looks like. We are with you and we are right here. We're going to pray with you. We are going to pray over your child. We are going to be there through the thick and the thin of it. And in those moments, that was so significant and profound for us that we will never forget that. And as simple as that was, it was just people saying, I'm here with you. We believe God is going to move in the midst of this. We don't know how, but it's going to happen. Let me end on this as we close. Is the end of this, this passage here. It says, God was working. And it says, then there was no needy person among them. So from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. That we can do together more than what we can do alone. And that as we pray and we, as we stand together, God will work in that. And no, this is not a call to go sell your house and give the money to the church. What this is a representation of is here's a group of people that said, we're praying together, we're standing together, and you have this, and maybe you have that, and oh, I got this gift, or I could build this, or I could do that. They brought what they had together, and they said, we believe we can accomplish what we have together. When we're praying for God to move, we're not just going to sit still. We're going to act on that, and we're going to do something. And you might have this gift, and you might have this gift. Maybe you have a gift of uh, finance, or maybe you have a gift of this. Or maybe you, uh, whatever it may be, it was just a group of people saying, here's what I have. God, you use it. Here's what Ephesians 3.20 says. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, imagine, according to his power that is work within us. And can I just tell you, your dream, the dreams in your heart are never too big to ask God. They're never too big to ask God. And when you bring a group of people around those dreams that will stand with you, God will do incredible things. God wants to move in your life, in your group, in your families. And I just want to encourage you, we have a prayer gathering here tonight. Come to the prayer gathering tonight. It's going to be a wonderful time. 7 p.m. I don't know who said that, but. Will you pray with me? God, thank you, Lord, for who you are. God, how we need you. God, how we need each other. God, I just pray that you'd give us a desire and a hunger, not only to be with other people and to value relationship. God, but would you give us a desire to stand with each other in faith and pray for you to do amazing things. God, we know that if we don't ask, you may not ever do. You might not ever act. 
Lord, we pray for the very dreams that are in people's heart. God, we pray that those are released and, they, and you, you work in those in powerful ways. God, we thank you for all the amazing things you do in this church and in our city. And we ask that you continue to move and lead us and guide us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you know, it is, it's one thing to hear a message like that and embrace it and say yes. And then it's another to do something about it and apply it. And so tonight at 7 p.m., we've got our prayer gathering coming on. I want to invite you to come uh, be with us for an hour of prayer. There's no child care for that, but bring the kids with you if you like that way. Um, it sounds like a long time to pray for an hour, right? You may feel like, I, don't, I, don't, I can't pray that long. We're going to walk you through it. We're going to kind of break it down into a few kind of different components and, and times of prayer. It's going to be really good, a great application and putting into practice what we've talked about this morning. Also, don't forget, you are personally responsible to recruit someone to help with the Easter uh, service downstairs with the kids. March them out to the check-in uh, and have Ryan get them signed up. Uh, I look forward to meeting those who are new over here on this side of the auditorium. If you need to be prayed for, someone, uh, the prayer team will be over here for you on this side. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend.